This week on the Smitty and Mitty Show, we're joined by Lauren Sesselman, a former member of the National Women's Soccer Team who won a bronze medal. We also recap some of our favorite games from the NFL this weekend. Coming up on the Smitty and Mitty Show. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb, for real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Smitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. This is the Smitty Mini Show. Smitty Mini Show back for another week here on the podcast and we welcome you and a big thanks to our sponsors Goldline Curling the Choice of Champions, and Dave Milton at Sunlight Financial Inc. King Carden. Life is brighter under the sun. Good to be back here. Another great week, great interviews, and some great conversations. NFL playoffs getting underway. Mitty, how you been? Keeping busy lately? Good, good. How are you, my friend? Good, good, good. You know, we just, uh, being in the lockdown that we're in again, we went to a buddy's house and sat in the garage and had a coffee and spaced out and talked, but it was also like minus 28, so my balls are frozen. Yep, cold front coming through the area this uh, past few days, at least. It has been nuts cold, just absolutely unbearable. Yeah, crazy cold, ridiculously cold, bad cold. But I guess you could be playing in a football game on a Saturday night in Buffalo where it's five degree, minus five Fahrenheit, which is like minus 30 Celsius. So yeah. you could be playing in that. That would be worse. It, it absolutely boggles my mind how everyone looks so warm. Is it the whiskey? Right, like it's got to be the alcohol keeping. What at the game? Yeah, the fans yeah. are crazy. Like there was guys without shirts on. I don't know what you're doing. Your nipples are gonna fall off. Oh yeah, they literally just crossed over. And you won't off. feel it now, but you will feel it tomorrow. Oh yeah, stuffy noses all over the place. What I didn't know is I I heard an interview on I don't remember it was I think it was a Dan Patrick show. It was a former uh, football player said one way they they stay warm is they they urinate themselves on the field. Yeah. Well, very comfortable. Say, say you're in like fourth quarter, ten minutes to go, and you have to pee. What are you going to do? You're not running back into the room. Okay, you fair. don't have time to do that. So his explanation was: you take a towel, you put it between your legs, and you let it go, and I hope the towel soaks up a whole lot of it, and it kind of warms you up too. Is that not kind of like disgusting? Gross. Yeah, very gross. Yeah, I don't know if I that would turn me off. I don't care do, how much. Do what you got to do to win, I guess. I don't know how much, but why couldn't you just bottle it? Go and go into the medical tent. And just yeah, into really. a bottle. Why couldn't you do that? Or pee at half. Like, how, well, much, it's are you, how much are you drinking? Well, they get force-fed, like, Pedialyte and, and Gatorade and water to try and stay hydrated. And that's why it runs through them. But that's not an excuse. I would rather I would rather be dehydrated by the end of the game and have to just rapid chug, like, four liters of water than have to tinkle in my pants. No, one way to stay warm? Getting what? down and dirty in the luxury box. Oh. Okay. Did you hear about Kodak Black the other week? Did I hear? Did I see? Did you watch? Did you? I, I did saw you the video. The footage? My oh my! Broke it down. Oh they were just dancing, man. It was just a okay. Dance. Okay. I did see. I did see someone had a close a, a close up video. God forbid, um, <laughs> of actually in the booth and said they were just dancing. And honestly, the video didn't solve anything. <laughs> it didn't solve anything. I still can't see if there's penetration. <laughs> Not enough, good enough reason to use the word penetration. Nope. Uh, I, when you first told me about it, I was like, yeah, they're in a box by themselves, some tinted glass or something. Maybe they, it's hard to see and somebody just caught them. Yeah, whatever. You know, you're rich. It's a box, but no, like these are wide open. This is oh, basically yeah. just a seat in the stadium. I would actually put them more into the club seat category because I think you can see in from the suites on either side. Oh yeah. The owners are right in the box right beside them. Right. Like this is not a private suite by any means in terms of people not being able to see what's going on. And he's just going to town dancing, quote unquote, in luxury suite. When so when the DJ plays your favorite tune, you just got to dance. What's no matter what you're on, doing. Did we hear? I don't know. That wasn't my main focus, but it doesn't matter. I've never been at a bar and the song turns on. I'm like, all right, I need to try hump a lady. That, like that's uh, never. It was that Rasputin song. Ra, ra, Rasputin. I have no idea what that is. No? No. Look it up. 
It sounds Russian. Is it a Russian? It is, uh, yeah, but I don't think it's actually Russian. I think it's like a mockery of Russian people. That's what you should never do is is, is, is mock, mock Russians. Russian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, Kodak Black in Down and Dirty. Okay, I got to get one more <laughs> thing here before we get into our interview, and then we'll talk some NFL playoffs on the backside of the show this week. The NHL not going to the Olympics. We're still waiting on Team Canada's roster for the Olympic Games, but there was a roster that was released last week as a prank by someone with some familiar names that maybe haven't played in the game in some years, and it caught a lot of people um, thinking that it was the real deal, including, including yourself. Me. Yeah. I was more excited than, like when you said, I'm pretty sure that's fake. I was like, oh, okay, that makes a whole lot more sense than than what I thought, because I mean, Kevin BX is on that list. What is he? He hasn't played in four years. He's a studio yep. analyst. Danny Heatley. I don't even know where Danny Heatley is. No one knows where Danny Heatley is. I think he Nobody. hasn't played in any hockey organized for like six years, though. Yeah, that's a long way out. Now, Connor Bedard being on the team or, you know, Owen Power. Yes. Yes. Give me that. Or McTavish. Like an Eric give me Stahl. all those guys. I think they had Eric Stahl on the first line. That makes sense. Justin Marlowe. Justin Mar- that's a guy from my hometown. You don't want him playing on the Olympic team. Um, but yeah, Marlo playing on the team. I got I got fooled by it at first because um, former senator and former London Knight, Mark Mathot, was on that list. And he actually retweeted it saying how proud he was to be representing Canada. Just to How long has it been it? since he played? Like, I feel like he could actually play. Dion Phaneuf is on that list. Dion those guys Phaneuf. could lace them up. Yeah, those guys, like, uh, for example, both those guys were on the Sens playoff run in 2017, right? And then they had a few more years after that. So we're only talking a few years removed from the NHL, if that. Um, so, like, totally, like, not unreasonable. There I think was a couple. There, there was, was a couple. A, the third string goalie was Freddie Brathwaite, who's, like, 49, 50 right now. Like, but, I mean, Justin Pogge was one of the goalies that was on there. Who was the other one? I don't remember. Devin Dubnik? Yeah, I, mean, I couldn't know. I, don't I think, think so. I think that's who it was. Is he not in the league anymore? Oh, there you go. That's my thought. So that's, I kind of thought so too. Maybe I have the wrong Dubnik, name, but Dubnik, yeah, it was Dubnik, Pogi, and then Freddie Brathwaite. Right. So like those goaltenders actually kind of make sense if they're available besides the, I mean, bring the four year old guy, whatever you need some, uh, some pizzazz. You need the dad figure to, uh, to wear the vest to the bar. You need that guy. So he my can qu- come. Yeah. My question to you, is it like, would you be more willing to get up? Like, keep in mind where these Olympics are, you're not going to be watching primetime hockey here. Are you going to be more willing to get up? If there's some more interesting faces in the lineup for Canada, some guys that you haven't seen play in a little bit, some guys that, you know, maybe had a good NHL career and then you haven't seen them on the ice in a few years. Does that make you want to get up and watch the Olympics a little bit more? If that fake roster was the one they're sending to the Olympics, I would watch every game, every single game, because that would be a whole lot of that would be a lot of fun to see Double Dion doing his work again. Uh, I like to see Danny Heatley working, to see Mark Mathot. Like the first defensive pairing on that team was incredible. Mathot and Power. Yeah, right. I'll like... do it. Like just to see <laughs> Bedard play would be kind of cool to play in the Olympics. So I would definitely tune in. And then you look at the actual roster, and I probably will not ever. I, I I could care less. I'll like the big, when, I'll have to see when the game times are. I think the biggest difference between the NHL players going and not going, the IOC has got to be just pissed that the NHL pulled out because that's that's got to be the difference of tens of millions of, of viewers. Easy, oh, definitely, right? Like Easy going to make the difference of tons and tons and tons of people from like we've mentioned getting up early to watch these hockey games and not just here either Russia, Sweden, Switzerland, Germany, some places that have really good hockey programs and would have really good hockey Olympic teams. If you had best on best though, they're suffering there too. So I, I man, I just, I wish I, I just wish that the NHL would have just allowed the players to go and, and bit just taken a little bit of a financial cut this year. I wish they just, just would have done it and said, we're going to lose some money. But this is good for our brand to have these players go over and play, especially when it's in it's in China, right? Yeah. It's in Beijing, mm-hmm. which is exactly where the NHL wants to expand to. Like they've been trying to push into China forever. Mm-hmm. So I just I wish they would allow these players to go. But oh, well, yeah, I, they were they were earlier than their deadline, weren't they, too? Like, I think they still had some time to make a decision. I just think obviously it came down to the money, right? Came down to the money and they decided that they had to uh, they had to make that call. Speaking of Olympics, we got a former Olympian joining us on the show this week, Warren Sessman, a bronze medalist with the Team Canada women's soccer team. 
joins us on the show now. Lauren, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Um, I did a lot of listening. I do a lot of listening every week to try and do my prep, hear your voice, hear your cadences, do all those things. And what I hear is when you do a lot of American shows, there's a lot of, uh, of uh, what's the right word? What am I looking for? Canadian, like we say about all the time, a boot. Yeah, you guys say the about, but like, yeah. I'm like pretty much Canadian, but I don't really have that about and the process and all this. Like my friend, yeah, my friend Kim, she's always like process and says all these, I say A a lot. So people catch me on that a lot. So you did pick that up. Eh? Well, yeah. I do. I did two years of schooling in the States and I was the Canadian guy where people come over and go, say about, say about. And it's <laughs> but hey, uh, on campus. Exactly. I wanted to start off the show by seeing just how Canadian you actually are. And okay. we have maybe five questions here. I think we're going to do five questions, Canadian. Oh my gosh, they're probably going to be so bad. I have a lot <laughs> of see, questions. And then we'll see, uh, we'll see if you can make your dad proud here. They're okay. not that tough. <laughs> they're not that tough. I'll let, my, Canadian. I'll let my co-host jump on and start with you. Okay. All right. I'm going to get it started. Um, I don't know if this is easy or tough. It's easy for us. The animal that is on the Canadian quarter is a what? Oh my gosh, you guys. That was a tough one. Never look at the money. I don't well, even think he knew that. No, I was going to ask you what was on the dollar, which was a lot better. That would be a lot easier. Yeah. What's on the dollar coin then? You guys, I have no idea. This is really embarrassing. All right. Well, that was a hard one to start. That was a hard one to start. But it's I the didn't know. Watch. They're all going to be hard. And then everyone's going to be like, she's not really Canadian, but I promise you guys I am. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the loony. So it's a loon. A loon's on the loony. Yeah. It's a, a loony. Car- I mean, a caribou like, is yeah, on the quarter. A caribou is on the quarter. I guess I should have said that. I should have just said that and just like took a chance on it. So whatever. It would have been not a good bad. chance to take. Been, I feel yeah. bad now. I started you out with a tough yeah, question. Yeah, that was mean. No, okay. it's okay. Like, let's hope I can answer the rest. <laughs> How about this one? What's Canada's national sport? Hockey. Mm. Common misconception. It is a common misconception. It is actually lacrosse. I w- lacrosse. Yeah. Lacrosse was. What, what would have been your second? I was going to say curling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Second common misconception. Yeah, that's a Wait, how is lacrosse? I, I swear that I've never seen any. I've been all over Canada and I have yet to see lacrosse anywhere. It's a it's a native Canadian. They invented the sport, so it's yeah. oh, invented they in Canada. It. It is Same a, as basketball, it actually, is a, was yeah. invented in Canada. It is a weird by one, Canadian. Though, because it's not. I wouldn't say lacrosse is in Michigan by here. Canadian. No, well, I mean, not, it, not on big. hockey level. It should definitely be hockey. You're right. Well, I'm zero for two. So that's okay. great. Well, okay. my next question is a tough one. So I don't, you go. Okay. You I'll, go I'll, I'll, I'll give you another one. This one is, we're just talking about hockey. Can you name the hockey team, the NHL hockey teams in Canada? All of them. Well, give me five out of the seven. Edmonton Oilers, Vancouver Canucks, um, Saskatchewan. It's not the Rough Riders because that's the football. That's football. Okay. I'll give you a hint. There's no NHL. There's no NHL Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Oh, really? I thought there was. No. Um, okay. Oh, the Maple Leafs. There it is. So I have three. Um, I know more football than I do hockey. Um, I'm Canadian you know more, Yeah, you know more Canadian football? Yeah. Well, if you can give me any Canadian football teams, I'd be way impressed with that. Well, she got the Saskatchewan got Rough Riders. Yeah. 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 The BC Lions. You know what? Winnipeg I'm proud. Jets. I, that's the that's hockey. The that would have been your hockey. hockey so you're full team. there. You impressed me more. Jets hockey? Okay. Yeah. I'm mixing up. Okay, guys, this is embarrassing. I've gone to so many hockey games. Why? You just got all the hockey and you got football, which is incredible. See, I okay. wouldn't have given you Second any NFL teams. I wouldn't have thought you got any. Because... I think you were just missing calgary and oh montreal. calgary yes and montreal yeah, i think those right. were the two you missed and hockey oh, yeah. how could I no, and the ottawa senators oh nobody cares about the ottawa senators. oh that's what i was just gonna say ottawa senators i knew it okay i knew <laughs> see i did i didn't do too bad <laughs> no i didn't no. do too bad i kind of feel we bad lived, i should like know this because we lived with the canucks i mean that sounds really bad actually we didn't live like with them but we lived in the same building as them when we were training for the olympics so we got to go to all the games it was so fun well, that does actually sound like a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it was. I'll do this last one because this game has been tough on you. So we'll do this <laughs> last one. Your dad is was born in Newfoundland. He's mm-hmm. a Newfie. So what's the capital of Newfoundland? Um, I don't know, but I'm just going to say Stevensville because that's where he's from, but that's not it. But You know what? You named one place in Newfoundland, which is kind of impressive. <laughs> Look, so. I've never been to Newfoundland. So you've never been out there? They asked me to come. It's, 
Is it the one place that has all the bars and stuff on it? A street, oh. main street with all the bars? There's a lot of bars in Newfoundland yeah. in general. It's pretty much okay, anywhere you go in Newfoundland, there's a lot of Wait, bars. What's, what is it? St. John's. Oh, shoot. I actually knew that because I actually spoke to their, their youth soccer club. Do you, know, do you know what it means to get screeched in? To get screeched in? Yeah. Like, no. Mm-mm. What? I don't know what it means to get screeched in. How do you not know what it means to get screeched in? That's why you have to like, do go out there to the island. Like- well, I've never been out there. <laughs> well, you have to you have to lick a cod and you have to take a shot of screech and you have to say a poem. You have to lick a cod? Yep. Like a live one? No, it's a dead cod, but it's a cod. You have to lick a codfish <laughs> and then you have to take a I'm a- allergic to cod, so I'd probably die. Okay, okay well, maybe don't do we that, don't then. do that one with you. <laughs> so- yeah, I'll say a poem and have some screech, which I don't even know what that is. It's it's like a hundred proof booze. Like it's it is uh, pure. It's like pure rubbing alcohol is what it is. It's disgusting. Mm. You don't want to do it. But the Newfies just okay. love it. They love putting. If I ever go to St. John's, then I I won't do it. Did, yeah, if anyone asks you to get screeched in, say no. Yeah, because now I know, so <laughs> I'll be on top of it. Okay, so you didn't do probably as well as you would have wanted to in our yeah, you guys. I have to I have to preface this that I have a lot of concussions, so I probably knew the answer at some point in my career, but it's been all knocked out of me with my early onset dementia. So I'm not even kidding. They were also pretty hard. They were with you. A lot of people wouldn't have done. (laughs) And we have harder ones down here. But let's move on to your soccer. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on to your soccer. Then I probably know the answer. But let's let's jump right to getting on with the Canadian soccer team. Uh, You were playing women's professional in the states, and then you decided to follow in your father's footsteps, I guess, and become a Canadian citizen to play for the Canadian team. Why? Yeah. So I mean, basically, I feel like Wisconsin's Canada. You know, we used to go up and go camping all the time. We'd cross the border. Like I felt like Canada was like always like our second home. And my dad grew up there. Um, and so I always just had Canadian in my blood and I've always appreciated Canada and the beauty of it and the history of it. So for me, like it was kind of like a no brainer when the opportunity came, I had actually been reaching out to Canada for a long time and be like, Hey, this is who I am. Like, give me a look. And they never did with the, like the coach that they had. And then when, when Herdman came in, he kind of rebooted everything, right? Like you've seen what he's done with the men's team as well as of late. And um, so he was like giving chances to people and bringing a new talent to see what he could build. And so um, I was very, very honored to have the opportunity. You know, I grew up watching a lot of these players and, you know, obviously being on the same field as Christine Sinclair that I watched forever um, was such an honor. And um, so yeah, I, I proudly wore the maple leaf and I loved every single minute of my career. Yeah. It's interesting. We were thinking, you know, when we were doing our prep, we're like, I wonder how long you thought about becoming a, a Canadian national player, or even thinking about trying to be on the Canadian national team, because for a lot mm-hmm. of people who are dual citizenship, it's kind of a, a, an afterthought. It's not, Oh, I, I want to play for Canada. It's, oh, it's a good chance for me to get to the Olympics. But it sounds like you really, you've kind of had this in the back of your head the whole time. You're like, I would love to represent Canada at the Olympics yeah. and at the national level. Yeah. And I, and I sat down with my dad and we, we, we talked about it. I didn't know, like when I was younger that like I even could play for Canada. I didn't even know that was kind of like that opportunity was there until I finally had been talking to people. I didn't really have a mentor growing up. And that's why I'm so heavy on mentoring our youth that are up and coming And, um, I had no idea what to do with my career and I was kind of like stuck. And then, and, you know, I always watched the national teams growing up and I was like, I want to get to that stage one day. And, you know, you're kind of in and out of all the youth stuff here in the U S and it's, it's not, it's not easy to get looked at. It's not anywhere you are in the world. Just first, I mean, only 18, 23 go to, you know, these Olympic and world cup events. So it's, it's, it's not easy. And I mean, Herman always, John always talks about it, how, how much the youth system needs to change in both the U S and in Canada. So, um, that's just a testament to how hard it actually is to get on a national team. And so I kind of was like a very proactive person with my career since I came from Greenwood, Wisconsin, and like, nobody was going to recruit there. So I was always proactive college wise. I was always proactive pro wise. And then with the national team stuff, as I said, I, I went, you know, and I said, Hey, like, I want to play for Canada. I want to get my dual citizenship and I want to do this. And so they rushed it. And I had my Canadian citizenship for years, but 
and I had reached out to Canada every year and I didn't want to be like a nuisance, but I was like, I really want to represent you guys. Like, I feel like it'd be a great asset. Um, and this never got the opportunity. And then when I got my opportunity, I, I seized it and it was, it's incredible what, what, um, John and the Canadian Federation has, has built over the years and the players that came before us and, um, you know, those 2012 Olympics, I mean, even just the Pan American games, our first big tournament winning a gold was, was people were like, wow, these girls can play. And like people actually started to respect and appreciate us. And I, and I think it's just so cool to be a part of that. Yeah. That's exactly what I wanted to ask you was when you came on to the team, it was kind of that evolution to becoming, you know, Canada's team. It was kind of that mm-hmm. backward sport where women's soccer is leaps and bounds ahead of men's soccer in this country. Could you mm-hmm. feel that even being new into the national team? that the the momentum being built by that program yes and no i mean we always talk about the equality piece of that's a whole nother a whole nother thing um but but yeah i mean once they started to see what john was building because they came off of a rough uh, 2011 world cup still was still was an amazing squad like watched every single game and um was so proud of them but you know then you see the pieces and the passion of of John Herdman and what he brought to the table and then just the amount of talent that he was bringing in and and just really what he was trying to build was so special that people were starting to finally take notice the youth teams were starting to take more notice um just the federation everybody the whole world was starting to take notice of what you're building in Canada I mean, when you think of Canada, you think of soccer and, and women's soccer, and now you're thinking of the men's soccer too. I mean, you know, just showing the the amazingness of that, what they've been doing recently. Um, it's pretty cool to see Canada on the map now, you know? Uh, so I wanted to ask about uh, John Hardman because he took the women's national team to where it is and then jumped over to the men's side. And now after, you know, a big win against Mexico, in Edmonton in November, which was a genius move by the, by the, um, the soccer. Yeah. Right. But, uh, after a huge win there, they're on top of, of their pool trying to qualify for the world cup. Do you put any of that at, at John's feet, uh, moving from the women's sport to the men's sport? Did that success just transfer with him? Yeah. I mean, I think when you think of John, you think of success, the man has, more passion than any coach I've ever seen. Um, I mean, being in his meetings alone, you just learn so much. And I just think like, I always knew that like, it kind of, it kind of was hard to see him transition to the men's side, but we always knew that he was always going to keep reaching, you know, newer heights. So after the first initial kind of like, Oh, he's not with the women's team anymore. We were like, okay, but he's going to do great things with the men's team. And look at what he's done. And, and I have so much appreciation for him and what he's done for my career personally, and also just for everybody else and just for the program. And I mean, Canada's on a roll right now. And like, uh, it's just, I just have to give so much credit to him. And a lot of people have to give so much credit because the man puts so much time and effort into building this. Like, I, I wish I could give you guys an inside look of our days and how he would just stop. He would never stop stop. He was just nonstop. And, um, he just really wants to turn the Canadian soccer culture around and, you know, as a female athlete, especially like, I really like applaud him for that. Yeah. We've seen certainly over probably, I want to say the last decade or so, we've really seen a switch in Canadian soccer and, and the support that it's been getting, starting with the women's team and, and, and now working up to the men's team and and translating to on-field success. You got the chance, and I know you mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, some names like Christine Sinclair getting to play with her. What was it like in the in the room with some of those ladies and and seeing them succeed at the level, winning gold uh, just recently at the Olympics? I mean, I, you know, a lot of those those members that are on the team now are, you know, in and out of our camps. And so I always I got the opportunity to to hang out and be around a lot of them. And I always knew they were going to be the future of this team. And I think being a, being a veteran player was was really special to kind of help them with their development and growth and, and to see them go out when nobody really thought they were going to do it except for all of us. Um, 
I think it, it, I like, I cried. I like, I feel like a lot of the girls that cried because it was just like what we had started building. I mean, obviously the girls before us as well, we're, we're building up to every moment that we've, we've hit, you know, every monument. And then that 2012 was like, kind of like the start, you know, that really like, you know, meddled since, well, I don't even know when was the last time it was like 1936 or something. And then to see them after 2016 and then, and then do this in the, you know, in, in the Olympics this summer and just beat the U S <laughs> was, was pretty cool. Um, so, you know, it really did bring tears to my eyes. I mean, these girls are phenomenal players. They're getting the opportunities now to play in some of the biggest clubs in the world, which I think is so special. We weren't allowed to do that at the time because we were building our NWSL league. So to see them grow even more playing for the Man- Manchester cities, you know, the Olympic Leones and the PSGs and the Swedish teams and stuff like that um, is pretty freaking cool. Now, there's been a lot of conversation about Christine St. Clair and the Lou Marsh award given to the top Canadian athlete. Um, she didn't have the best Olympics stats wise, but I wonder if you can give us a look into what she meant in the dressing room. What, what extra factors not on the stat sheet she gives to that team. Yeah. I mean, when you think of Sinki, like she is a national born leader. She may be like so quiet to the public. Like I don't like people see this like soft side of her, but then like, obviously when she's on the field, she's a different beast, but um, she's actually a very quiet person, but when she's with us, I mean, she is such a leader. And like, when she talks, she commands the room and you listen, like most of us like grew up worshiping her. Right. And so to be able to step on the field with her, you hang on to like every word because she really makes you believe, you know? Um, and she really makes you believe in yourself, which is like such a huge component. The mental is 99% of the game. And so having, you know, those kind of players, I mean, we had such a close team. We were so close knit. I mean, living together for six months, you know, prepping and stuff like that. Um, just goes to show you, we were like just as close off the field that we were on the field. And that's the connection that Sinky, the other captains and Herdman, you know, had us all come to Cause you know, sometimes other teams, like they're just like, they're in shambles because they don't have the pieces on and off the field. And that's what kind of sets us apart from a lot of other teams is we have it on and off the field. And it was a very special component. I want to bring back some bad memories, maybe. Um, the uh, the semifinal game against the U.S. Obviously, it's going to go down in infamy and in Canada. Yeah. What do you remember about that game and being, you know, there and being yeah. in the dressing room after everything unfolded? Well, first to get to the semis, like I don't think anybody really. <laughs> We always knew, but I don't think a lot of people believed that we were going to do it. And, you know, and when we got to, we're like, oh, we have the U.S. For me personally, it was my first game as a center back. And I was like scared out of my mind because like that's a really hard position because you have to be the leader. Right. And so I didn't know what to expect. But like going out there, Christine putting up three goals and then we're getting this. I was right next to Abby when they had that call. And I'm like, that is not a call. Like, what are you doing? You're throwing the game and you're giving it to them. This is our game. And then that ref had to go to court and she got she's never allowed to ref again and like all this stuff. I'm like so passionate to this day about it because people still talk about it. And I think that's why it was like icing on the cake when we beat them um, this year at the Olympics. So it's just... It's just, it, it, I don't know. It's just, it's, it was being at Old Trafford too, like growing up worshiping those teams that, you know, that played there and, and being there and literally the crowd was crazy. It was like, there wasn't an empty seat in the house. Like it was, people were there believing in women's soccer, wanting to see this matchup. And did we give them a show, you know, like it's the first thing that pops up. So um, I think it's just a testament to how much, like, even since that game, how much the game has grown and the visibility and, and things of that nature. So, um, I mean, anytime you get a, you get to walk onto like old Trafford or Wembley and, you know, rock, rock your country and play it's, it's a, it's a once in a lifetime surreal opportunity. How did the crowd react to the six second yeah. call? The thing is, is nobody wanted the U S to win. There was maybe yeah, was a couple say, like, really a except for the, the small yeah, the small portion of U.S. fans that were there, obviously, but like every other country was in our corner. 
And so uh, you had, you know, Great Britain and all them. They were like, we really wanted you guys to win. Like we were cheering for you. You guys had it. And somehow the U.S. always finds their way in the final. Yes, they're a good team, but there's been some iffy calls if we remember the Spain game as well. But I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> talk about that too much. But I will say that I was right next to that. And that wasn't a call. Like even Pia after the game was like, yeah, Canada should have won. So when the U S women's national team coach says, yeah, Canada should have won, you know, there's something going on. Um, but either here nor there, that was the most devastating loss of our lives. But then luckily, you know, going on to win a bronze was just as special. Yeah. Well, like I can imagine it being super frustrating and you go on to win bronze, but just knowing that you could have been there, right. You could have yeah. been, you could have been sitting there with a gold around your neck. It, it It's frustrating for sure. But imagine seeing those girls um, complete it this year. Finally. Um, I don't want to say it sealed what happened there, but it, it, it helps it you put the rest a little bit, right? Yeah, it did a little bit. I mean, I'm still bitter because I didn't get any part of the gold medal this year, but uh, just because I'm old and washed up, but to see them get it, I'm so proud. So too many more gold medals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we've, we've spent the month talking about mental health. You know, we've done uh, multiple shows trying to bring that into uh, perspective and you're someone who has suffered from it, from concussions mm -hmm. and also from social media bullying, we can call it. Can you talk about that and walk yeah. us through what it was like to be on the other end of that? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think as an athlete, you know, a lot of people, they want to be in your shoes or they want to prove that they're just as good or better than you. Right. So you get a lot of crap. And of course, yeah, it comes with the territory. Cool. Yeah. The situation in the world cup for me personally was probably one of the most pivotal, most destructive moments in my life. Um, you know, slipping, falling, whatever it happened. Um, and yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> and so, and after that, like, the amount of hate, you know, it's like, it's so hard for me. Cause it's like, you come off an Olympics where people were like, Oh, you're one of the best defenders I've ever seen. Blah, blah, blah. You're so good to getting back from an ACL to, you know, starting and playing every game and just being back there, just meaning so much and being a part of it. And then of course, slipping and falling because they water turf who waters turf. We shouldn't have been playing on turf plays on turf. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother story of that situation. And then, um, you know, basically becoming the scapegoat, which I think is completely unfair when we just didn't play well as a team. And we could have definitely still won the game. We would have, you know, scored our, our chances. Um, but either here nor there, you have to remember that we are people, right? And so getting the kind of hatred, there's a difference between like tough love and like, okay, you can joke around with me, but then like emotionally destroying somebody when they are having one of the hardest moments of their lives and it kind of being the snowball effect that went into um, the older players, you know, maybe it's time for the newer generation to come in, even though we still could crush it. So it kind of snowballed into the end of a lot of our careers. Um, and knowing that in the back of your mind is heartbreaking. And then you're kind of like, you're so used to being up here and you're transitioning into what's next when you're not fully ready for it. And people just keep bringing it up um, because they want to be bullies. Um, people just need to chill out. Like they have to remember that we have feelings that we've worked so hard for all of our accomplishments. And just like you have for any of your accomplishments and the things that you're doing in your life. And just to be kinder, you know, I suffered from depression severely um, almost committed suicide and had a really hard two years. And I think it's really important to openly speak about that. You know, um, I still struggle here and there. Luckily I got some help and they said my brain looked like a football player's. So part of the reason was from the depression. Um, but so I'm a huge advocate for mental health. I, I work with a lot of the youth that are struggling. Mental health has been a huge thing, especially with the COVID situation. Um, so I, I, my, my piece of advice is really just as much as, as, as a person, and it's so it's, it's as much as you want to let it go and just kind of like roll off. It's, it's, 
it's difficult sometimes when it's like a constant and I just don't understand why there's there's so much hate in this world and why we're just not more positive and uplifting and that's what I try to do every day is instill that and especially with the youth that are up and coming and they want to do what we've accomplished and it's just it's not easy and you're going to be very alone being a professional athlete is a very lonely profession and I don't think people realize that so it's been great having, I have an NFL show, been able to talk to the guys and their transition. And when they struggled with, you know, their mental health and stuff like that. And a lot of athletes, they struggle. And so I think it's just important that when you want to like say, Hey, LeBron, like you suck just to maybe like word it a little bit better. Hey, maybe you could do better at this, you know, <laughs> maybe not just like, you know, be so harsh all the time and, you know, maybe say a positive instead of a negative. Um, but yeah, so that I'm, I'm huge on that. So yeah, people have, they have to remember that there is a person on the other side of every uh, tweet, every message that they send, every comment that they make, that there, there's someone on the other side that is going to likely read that or, or at least might read that. Um, Lauren, we're out of time. Listen, thanks for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, sorry you didn't Thank do you. so hot in our Canadian trivia. Maybe if we have you yeah, back, we'll, uh, I think we'll I need to come back on questions. another time and you guys can quiz me again. Study, study so. up. Yeah. And then I'll quiz you on some, some us, uh, since you guys are, you guys are football fans and stuff like that. So I'll quiz you on some us fans. I'm Dave Middleton, a proud Sun Life financial advisor, and I've got some fantastic ideas for the money that's building up in your bank account due to COVID-19. Make more and protect more. Visit sunlife.ca slash dave.middleton. Gold Line Curling is proud to support the Port Elgin Chrysler 2022 Ontario Tankard in Saugeen Shores. Powered by Bruce Power, February 9th through 13th at the Plex in Port Elgin. Gold Line Curling, the choice of champions. This is the Smitty and Mitty Show. Smitty Mitty Show, back after an interview with Lauren Sesselman, soccer player for uh, Team Canada at the, what What year was the Olympics? 10? Sure, we were, wasn't, no, it wasn't 10. 11? 12. 10 was the 12 winners. was London. Yeah, 10 was the winner, so it's got to be, yeah, 12. 12 was London, yeah. It, it was so long since we recorded that because we wanted to get it done before, um, before we all stop for christmas break and stuff but we wanted to leave her until after christmas we had some guests to come back to so it's been a while since we recorded that well over a month yeah so i apologize if anything i honestly haven't listened to it yet so <laughs> i apologize if anything was out of sorts was, i think there was one question on the back end where we said we were just finishing up our november campaign right and then we talked about like mental health so that's the only part there you obviously just heard it um yeah it was recorded a little bit over a month ago but it was a pleasure to talk to lauren um, obviously a fantastic soccer player, someone who, um, has Canadian roots, her parents, her dad born, um, out East and then getting to play for the national team, obviously a, a big honor for her and something that didn't come as an afterthought, which surprised me, right? Oftentimes you hear these people come and play for the Canadian national team kind of as like a second resort type thing, but she wanted to be there. They didn't make it to the States. So they came to Canada. They just wanted to play kind of thing, kind of where like I could play for the Polish hockey team if they had one. You think? Well, like national, I could play, and I would hope I would make the Polish hockey team. I think so. I bet you they have a pretty good hockey team. I bet you they're. I bet bet you they don't even have a hockey team. I bet you there are twenty players in Poland that are better than you. You think? Well, I mean, it depends. What age are we talking here? National team. Am I talking an Olympic national team? Yeah, the Olympic national team. I I could make it. Do you think I could make that? Yeah, I don't even know. To be honest, I don't even know if they have rinks in Poland. Like I would assume they do. I don't know. Have you been to Poland? Have you ever seen a Polish rink? I've never, I've never even. Well, then how can you tell me if the, if the tree falls in the woods, did anyone hear it? Like, you don't know. We made, uh, we had a floor hockey team in grade 11 and we were the Polish hockey team. Yeah. We were called Polska. Um, so I guess they're pretty good. We beat the grade 12. So. (laughs) Okay. So there, the Polish hockey team is good. We also talked with Lauren there at the very end. We talked about Aaron Rodgers. And the shenanigans that he pulled all year, uh, we talked about it a little bit after. By the way, Lauren's an amazing woman. She invited us down to L.A. to go watch the Super Bowl with her, which was crazy. And we're not going to be able to make it. I wish we could. I also, don't, At any point. I also kind of feel like it's not a real invitation. Hey, she said it. I don't know if it was a real invite or not, but she yeah, said I, it. I have it recorded. Yeah. 
we know we know for a fact she said if we showed up at her door with the little camera showing her that she invited us <laughs> what's she gonna do turn us away maybe suppose she could <laughs> probably all the cops <laughs> more than likely uh but yeah we talked about aaron Rodgers there and aaron Rodgers having the weekend off as his team finished first in the nfc who didn't finish first in the nfc are all the other teams playing this weekend except for the tennessee titans who finished first in the afc so we're recording this right before the games on sunday because we wanted to have time to sit down and watch them so let's talk about some of the saturday games yeah let's talk about the saturday games as you mentioned there there is about like 10 straight hours of football on sunday that we got to watch so we're recording this early on sunday uh let's start with the afternoon game on saturday Bengals raiders a game that i was excited about i put some money down on the raiders didn't go out in my favor but um, I have a surprising amount of Bengals fans that I know, and I know they are all happy. Bengals fans are one of those fans that you only know about them when their team's good. True. Like I said, surprising amount because I hadn't heard about them all until yesterday. But that game was amazing. That was a really, really good football game. And it even had a little controversy kind of intertwined within its fabrics as well. So it, it pretty much gave you everything that... Really, if the NFL had its way, I bet they wish they flipped those games yesterday. I bet they wish the Bills pass was the afternoon game. I think so. But, I mean, there's no way to tell, right? If you even asked us, I think on the radio show, we gave our bets, and I think we both said that um, we weren't expecting the Saturday night game to go the way it did, right? The Bills came out flying, and they did not take their foot off the gas one bit. I think it was the first time in NFL history that a team didn't have to kick a field goal or punt throughout the entire course of a game. Every drive with a touchdown. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the first game first here. Right. So the play we're talking about, because we have to talk about this play. Uh, Joe Burrow scrambling towards the sideline. He jumps and throws, uh, completes a touchdown. I believe it was to T I, I think. Higgins? I think so. Yeah, I don't remember. I think that's who it was too. And mid-flight, the line judge blew the whistle because he thought Joe Burrow stepped out of bounds, which he was actually nowhere close to stepping out of bounds. So I don't know where the thought process came from. I'm I'm actually not a huge like I don't get on the officiating too often because I know how hard it is to do that. But that game was pretty terribly officiated. I yeah. think. And you could hear that with the uh, the broadcasters calling it. Uh, CBS, I think, was calling the game. Um, throughout, they said, oh, the officiating's kind of been, like you said, they don't like to single out the officiating as something that is going to turn the course of the game. But on that play in particular, um, it, it struck me as odd, A, that it happened, and B, that nothing really came of it, right? They all just kind of pushed it away, even though, by the rules, that play should have been brought back. Right, well, here's here, here's my problem is the NFL looks at every scoring play. So they watch that. Do they watch it with audio or without audio? I don't know, but they acknowledge that something was wrong later in the game. So they'd have a comment after the game was concluded because it wasn't fair to, to comment before they talked to the officials, basically. Um, so they knew what happened. I'm assuming they knew what happened right at the time because they said it was it was not reviewable. That play was not reviewable. Why in 2022, in a playoff football game, when we have 20 cameras pointing at one play at all times, is everything not reviewable? Why are they allowing that? Like, they knew it was wrong. They knew that you couldn't do that. They knew it was supposed to be a replay of down because the ball was blown dead with it in air without being in possession. So they knew that there was supposed to be a replay of downs and the touchdown does not count. But they allowed it to count anyways. They were waiting, I think, and to go back to the point where they said they were going to wait till comment after the game, I think they were just hoping to God that the Raiders won the football game and that they didn't have to worry about that call affecting the outcome of the game. I think that's honestly what they were hoping for. And now they're going to have to come up with um, an explanation for why that wasn't the case. And I don't know how it works in football. I know in Major League Baseball, if you want to protest the game, you have to do it at the time of the call. I don't know if that's the same in the NFL. But how did the Raiders not put up a little bit more of a fight there? Right? Like, I don't, I, I just, a bit it's, it's so loud in the stadium. I don't know if the coaching staff had the ability to know that there was a whistle at the time. You know, like, I think they knew about it probably after half because they come back out and they had the chance to look at it and to hear from their replay staff. But I don't know if they had the opportunity 
at the time to know that happened because yes, they would have at least asked the question. Right. Yeah. Well, you would think, especially with all those extra officials that are on the field, what do they had five extra, five extra sidelines uh, that are apparently there just more to communicate between the coaches, but um, still like how uh, we've gone back to this. It's a playoff football game in 2022 with all this technology, all this replay technology. How can we not get calls right? Especially when the broadcast, the referees, the officials themselves know seconds, minutes after the play that that might not be right. It's also, I I don't know why the NFL does this and the NBA and the MLB do the same thing where they have crews that are together for the whole year. The NBA, I don't know about the, the, the MLB and the NFL for sure. Same crews all year. You get to know these guys when you work like that all the time with them, you get to, you get to work with them. You get to know their cadences. You get to know what they're going to call. You get to know where they're going to be looking. You just get to learn about your partners. But then in a playoff game, they take this guy from this crew, this guy from this crew, this guy from this crew and put them all together. And they just looked lost. They honestly looked lost for the whole game. Like they had no ability to to communicate with each other at all. They were huddling at all times and talking for two minutes. It was strange. I don't know why the NFL puts himself in that situation either yeah listen we can talk about this call all we want um and i had the raiders to win that game but i don't think they played well enough to deserve the win no i don't think it i don't i i I mean obviously it did affect the outcome because they won by a touchdown but i really don't the raiders at no point you're right they seemed like they were in that they had their their chance to prove that they should be um you know if they played a fantastic football game and they still lost by a touchdown then yes i think you can make that argument but I don't think they played a good enough football game through the first uh, three quarters until it looked like they were kind of up against the wall, that it looked like they were maybe turning something around. But other than that, I thought they didn't play a good enough football game to, to warrant saying, oh, yeah, we can we can say that that call maybe ruined the game for them. Yeah, and that team was up against everything this year from John Gruden doing whatever the whatever ridiculously uh, emails, dumb things he did in the emails to um, their wide receiver killing somebody while being drunk behind the wheel um like just for everything that happened that team was had every opportunity to give up this year and they didn't so good on them good on the coach for reeling them back in i hope that interim just gets taken off even though there's been talk about uh, harborough coming back from michigan to coach and possibly coach in las vegas i don't know about that um, because it just seems like the coaching staff did a really good job at holding this this team in. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but Bagels, winners, moving on to the next round. Also moving on to the next round, the Buffalo Bills winning at Orchard Park in minus five-degree weather. And not just winning, not being stopped, Noah. That offense looked literally unstoppable because it was. No punts, no field goals, just touchdowns. The only blemish to that game was the fact that Tyler Bass um, – muffed on a couple field or a couple extra points where one was blocked and the other one was just yeah like you could have done better you think but besides that that team looked like the team of the afc to stop and, and prove me wrong but i think that that was a okay everyone's given everyone they they heard what was being said all week they heard the pats are, are going to hold into this game we like the pats as underdogs that this is a Bill Belichick's team, and they went out and they stomped on the throats of the Patriots. The statement game, and proved to the league that they are there because they are one of, if not the best team in the AFC, and they're going to prove it. And they're probably going to have a chance to do it next week against the Chiefs. Yeah, it was a real statement game for the Bills. They came out there, um, a they got off on the right foot, and then they just kept on going. An interception and a seven nothing game that really turned the tides a little bit early on, and then they just kept on rolling throughout the course of that game. Um, I think it was the second largest loss for the Patriots in the Belichick era. The last one coming in 2003 against the Buffalo Bills as well, a 30 to nothing game or something like that. But um, just absolutely crazy performance by the Bills in a weather game where you would think that it was going to be a low scoring affair. They came out there. The offense was fantastic. Josh Allen uh, silencing a lot of the critics with his performance as well. Um, I'm just happy to see the Bills moving on. Another week in the books here. Um, And like you said, if next week is against uh, those Chiefs, it's going to be an exciting game. I was kind of interested to see, and I'll get your thought on it quickly before we wrap up here. Mac Jones, I I expected the pass to try and run the ball 
why would they change? Why would they not just try and run the ball down the Buffalo throats when that's what worked on that Monday night blizzard game? Uh, but Mac Jones, two interceptions, two TDs, a 75 passer rating for 232 yards. I think he really, I mean, he looked really impressive for the first, the first couple of uh, possessions. The interception in the end zone was an amazing interception by the Buffalo Bills. Um, that pass could not have really been thrown any better by Mac Jones. It was unfortunate. Call. It was. It was. Hide that was an unfortunate. Was, it was. So, I don't. I don't want to blame him for that. But he didn't look like a quarterback who could take a team to a championship. Well, I think the big thing is, uh, I'll use one word: adjustment. Right? Like, I didn't think he made any adjustments in game. He found that something wasn't working. And like you said, if he was throwing the ball and he wasn't having any luck, they didn't try to switch it up at all, right? They had success against Buffalo early on by running the ball, uh, earlier on in the season by running the ball. Why why not try to go back to that a little bit more in that football game? I, I would imagine they kind of got um, lost or, you know, gave up a little bit when they saw the score, what it was at halftime a little bit, um, knowing that the weather, knowing that they were in Buffalo. That's a tough game. But I mean, at the end of the day, um, I think it's going to be a learning experience for him. And I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll bounce back next year. Honestly, I thought he had a good year this year. Let's just leave it on this because this kind of tells the story on that Monday night football game. He threw the ball five times Um, last night. He threw the ball 35 times completed 16 for a 45.7% completion rate, averaging four and a half yards. So any quarterback who does that, especially in the playoffs is not going to get it done. No. And like I said, once again, you get behind, you feel like you got to throw the ball, make some big plays, and then he just got himself into more trouble. That That is, if your defense can't stop, like there's literally nothing. They could have scored in every possession they had, and the best they would have had was a tie. Like, yeah. realistically, if you don't stop the other team from scoring a touchdown, you're not going to win that football game. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, like we said, we can talk about Jones all we want here, but the, the Bills with a, a perfect offensive game. It's going to be tough to beat. Tough to beat. So let's thank our sponsors, Dave Middleton, Sunlight Financial Ace, Brother Under the Sun, Gold Light Curling, the choice of champions. There was nothing else you wanted to talk about? No, I think that's all for this week. Uh, we'll come back with some more um, of NFL's first week of playoffs on the radio show uh, this upcoming weekend. So make sure you check it out, stmayorsradio.com, 560 CFS, and Owen Sound and blastradio.com in Ottawa. Check it out there over the weekend as we'll talk more football as things go on. And make sure you stay up to date on our social media channels for all things Smitty and Mitty show as we work our way and get started here once again in 2022. Lots of exciting things planned this year. You're going to want to be there. And next week, we are talking to Brent Garbutt, who is the commissioner of the GOJHL. We'll talk to him about the Junior B returning, about the chance for Junior B to turn into Junior A, about his career. Um, so a very time-sensitive and informative interview there, talking about, hopefully, the return of Junior B here um, as of the 27th. Well, that does it for us this week on the Smitty Mitty Show. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And a big thank you for always being a part of our lives. We'll talk to you again next week here on the Smitty and Mitty Show.